Serious measures to protect. Greetings, dear reader. I sit here speaking into my computer, staring at the screen, watching my words populate into text. A scene from that mainstay of 90s sci-fi channel's Saturday night anime, Armitage III, comes into my mind, where one of the third-type androids, who's about to be killed, a novelist, is sitting down to dictate the current chapter of her in-progress novel to her beautiful computer. My hands are in a terrible state, guys. My chronically inflamed tendons have reached a stopping point. After so many weeks of working or writing or intending to work or write and not doing so because I need to rest, I realized in the past two weeks that I need to take serious measures to protect what ability I have left in my precious hands. <sighs> the other day I tweeted, all the rest required in managing my fucking chronic tendon inflammation in my hands and arms is why my fucking book ain't done, for real. Shit is wore out after working a full day at pay job. And... With the sorry and miserable state of the rest of the world as my backdrop, I present my meager messenger's bounty to you tonight, or whenever you're reading this. Community Futures Zine Brunch. This Saturday, which is tomorrow if I get this out in time, August 28th, I'll be reading and tabling wares at Black Quantum Futurism Zine Brunch and Performance Event on the lawn of the Hatfield House as part of their Ancestors Returning Again exhibition. The date and time is August 28th, 1 to 4 p.m. in Philadelphia at North 33rd Street. That's 33rd and Girard. Philly PA 19130, United States. Um, join us on the lawn of the Hatfield House for a light brunch, zines, performances, and an open mic to close out summer and welcome autumn. Come explore time capsules, time travel, and time shifts with performances by Black Quantum Futurism and Marceline and short sci-fi readings. Create, trade, read, or buy zines from local sci-fi writers and zinesters, M. Tejas, yours truly, Joe Hatton, and Alex Smith, Youth Arts Collective Young Artist Program, a.k.a. YAP, Mental Health Collective Deep Space Mind 215, a.k.a. DSM 215, Connect with local vendors like Sheena's Magic Butters. Get info on housing rights from uh, the Tenants Union um, and Philly Rent Control Coalition and more. Masks are required to visit the exhibition indoors and social distancing protocols will be in place. Um, so hopefully you'll see this, hear this, get it in time. In time or whatever. See you there. And now for a recap on the Mer Mercury Monastery. By all expressed accounts, the Mercury Intensive, my free, impromptu, experimental, June-long writing and storytelling workshop, went well. If you recall, I decided I would run my own workshop after getting yet another rejection from a genre writing workshop that I had been hoping to attend. 
Admittedly, I don't apply to a terrible amount of workshops or residencies, but that is in part because I often lack the capacity to spend my free time applying to these things, let alone plan for how the hell I will be able to afford them. So my intensive met four times a week from 7 to 9 p.m. for four weeks in a row. I had put out an open call for applicants and received 28 submissions. I wound up accepting every single one, and I split them into what ended up being roughly two equal-sized groups, a focused group and the general group. The focus group was comprised of people born and raised in Philadelphia or longtime residents, people who had already um, some form of writing or creative storytelling practice, and people who didn't have much previous experience or access with institutional creative writing or art education, stuff like that. The general group was more transplants, people who did have experiences with creative writing or art or whatever in college or what have you, and people who had less disciplined writing practices, quote unquote, um, which really just meant it was people who were more like, I'm looking for accountability or a writing community or something like that, and weren't like, I'm struggling to finish my novel. (laughs) So yeah. I decided we would use Discord as our meeting place and set about creating a cyberspace modeled on a monastery, a place of disciplined practice and learning. Discord is handy because it allows you to create chat rooms as well as voice rooms and streaming capabilities and to create user roles that allows you to assign permissions to certain areas. So you can have a lot of space curation in this way. That's cool. So apart from common rooms, I set up the monastery so that the focus group would have a priority ability to interact and speak, while a general group would could watch and input without intruding on focus group activities. But in the end, you know, many people from both groups attended when they could, which meant meaning actually several had to drop out or only attended a few times for various reasons. Um, and leaving a core group of 10 or so individuals. Um, I, I really expected this to happen, so it was cool, nonetheless. I think every session had a minimum of three or four people, and we averaged five to eight on most days, which is not including myself. So, cool. Uh, for the first two-thirds of the intensive, we mostly did like a brief discussion topic, from anywhere 20 to 40 minutes, and then we moved into 40 minutes of writing time that was timed, um, and followed by an hour or so of sharing what we wrote and discussion. Then um, about in the third or final week, maybe, some change like that, we switched to doing long-form critiques for the remainder. Uh, We all decided to assign each other readings beforehand. We would drop our files and be like, okay, let's all have this read by uh, the next first session and blah, blah, blah. So um, once we got into doing the long form critiques, it was um, it was cool. And then we kind of just like petered out at the last week um, and discussed some topics that we weren't able to cover earlier. After every session, I made sure to collect anonymous feedback, um, which is something I picked up when I volunteered for the Allied Media Conference back in like 2014, I think. Um, Shout out y'all. 
So anyway, by the middle of the first week, I also started to post our daily agenda as far in advance as I could manage because the everybody who was trying to come to the session could, could plan better for themselves. Ugh, yeah. I was also... <laughs> I was also totally grieving the death of my father still... And I was thrown for this wonky extra loop after this surprise connection uh, popped up with my estranged family members, like all my estranged siblings that my father, you know, is our father or that my father had or whatever. So <laughs> even though I had dramatically reduced my pay job workload, I had like cut my hours back and all this stuff for and during the intensive and I had planned to have all this like time to myself and I fantasized that I would make progress on the All That's Left manuscript and you know how it goes, I guess. <laughs> um, even though I had planned for all that, what really happened is that I prepped and I showed up for the intensive and I was dedicated to that and then I spent the rest of my time in this mournful stupor. <sighs> Which was fine, you know. From my perspective as the intensive's inceptor and facilitator, I was really glad that the people who showed up, like people showed up, period, and then they continued to show up, and that meant my efforts were not in vain. I liked what I wrote, and I liked the structure that I tempered as someone who at the time never participated in a, quote, real writing or critique workshop, or like any critique workshop, to be honest. This was definitely, if you build it, they will come. It was like that. It was like that. Um, and so I give my thanks and gratitude to everyone who did come or who even wanted to come and like didn't even apply or whatever. Um, gratitude to the saints and spirits and gratitude to the gods of communication and writing themselves. After this, or kind of like not after this, but just at this point in time, I'm just like, oh yeah, I definitely need real material support to keep, to keep being on this wave. Uh, and I'm starting to call that to me. We are all figuring out how to do that, I think. Weave it all together. Isn't that always what we have to do? Is this living? Ask yourself, you know ask yourself it is thanks to the leeway foundation and the philadelphia office of arts culture and the creative economy for their illuminate the arts grant that i was able to pay my rent and cover my necessities so that i could work fewer hours and be able to do this workshop and part of me is always like you see artists make those statements or things you have to like thank the person that gave you money to make things happen. And it can feel really like gnarly if you're a broke ass, like having to thank somebody for making you do a lot of work to get a little bit of money just to express yourself or whatever. Um, but on the flip of that thought or resentment that I have sometimes is that it's good to tell other people how you're getting by as an artist. So Philly doers and dreamers, I recommend subscribing to the newsletters of both the Leeway Foundation and the Philly Office of Arts, Culture, and Creative Economy. Like they, they have newsletters, um, where they frequently advertise the grants and open call information. 
And they're both kind of like low key chill. They want to give money away, it seems, or make it easy to like pass money to artists um, because their application processes are are kind, kinder, sort of. So if you do creative shit in Philly that connects people and you document it in some public digital way, you should check out these uh, grant applications that you hear about on the on the newsletters if you subscribe just to see if what you do fits because a lot of times you can just whip it, whip it together with a, you know, like a week's worth of concentration about it. And they, I don't know, it's not that hard, quote unquote. Or like if, like hearing about applying to grant sometimes makes me feel exhausted, but these two organizations are not as exhausting, I would say, personally. For the things that I've gotten money from them for. So just want to recommend them if you're out there like me. Now, if you're listening to this dispatch via my newsletter, you'll hear me read what I came up with during several of the writing prompts uh, at the workshop, the 40-minute writing prompts. And I think it's interesting because the 40 minutes, no matter how much where I was at, I always kind of just managed to write a page and a half in a B5 notebook. Um, please write me if you'd like the text for any of these pieces. They are typed up. Um, but I was thinking that I might host them on Cyborg Memoirs for one, and then like for something fun like I'm considering starting up a printed mail order version of this newsletter. Like I'll send you some monthly mail, which is a newsletter, like a cute little zine or something, and maybe like a sticker. I don't know. Um, that will be for people who want to pay for that. I guess it would be like five bucks or something, maybe sliding scale, you know, and, um, of course, you know, me, I make a free version of everything. So, I'll make a PDF and everybody can just get that f for free. Um, or maybe somehow there can be enough money coming in to the mail print newsletter that everybody who wants one can get one for free. Dot, dot, dot. If you're reading the text version of this, this, uh, missive, you, then you'll see, um, the Mercury intensive feedback form and three random participants feedback to this final 10 question survey, which was about how the entire workshop went. All right. June 4th, 2021, 40-minute writing exercise. Conjure a place. It's twilight on a long summer's day. The sun is enormous, a mesmerizing disc embarking on its descent into the underworld. The sky is burning hot pink, quiet indigo, and already the evening star of Venus has come out from the departing sun's shroud. There is a field as big as a city block 
do for a mo, fenced in with a menagerie of murdered-out construction machines parked in a linear array inside. If you walk for enough on the field's border, you find it narrows into a pedestrian pathway, cement filled with local quarry, the kind that all skater kids wished was just smooth. What's more, it's cracked, it's buckled from hidden root systems and shifting around all the time, and every crevice is packed with luxuriating weeds. This is the path you take behind the derelict fulfillment warehouse that takes up the next city block, the path that leads you along the once-buried, now-active creek, and all the other fulfillment compound buildings that have toppled over towards its quiet rush, to larger rivers so many miles nearby. The skate spot is this way. Now that nobody can get downtown like that, every underutilized, under-surveilled corner of this post-industrial, post-automated, post-automated neighborhood is up for grabs. At first, the path seems aimless. Dead end. The cement is so busted up and it smells super damp. A powerful mildew presence wafts out of the warehouse's busted windows. A common enough odor anymore. It doesn't bode well for the path taker until you hear the clack and the grumbly, hollow melody of small urethane wheels leaving particle board, grinding metal, prepubescent voices whooping out accolades. The path bends and all is revealed. The shitty cement turns to heavily tarred asphalt. It's the back-loading docks where all the trucks used to come in, except nobody is sure when they ever will again. And all the kids have taken full advantage to build their makeshift ramps and rail setups and diamond boxes to pop tricks off. A lineup of them congregate up on one of the loading platforms, booted skate feet dangling off the edge while they suck on gelled water sticks homemade and bought, mixed from the corner stalls that also sell jerky and nicotine candies. In the fading daylight and encroaching dark, the safety yellow accents on many of their skates, hand applied of course, glow on their own accord. Soon the generators might kick on, but they've all got their night Rider goggles half on or slung close by regardless. June 7th, 2021, 40-minute writing exercise, cycle. When the XY transplanetary passenger station exploded from orbit, all travel between Earth and the rest of the outer solar system was halted. It was major. The Musk-Amazon alphabet joint venture entity that constructed the ship immediately declared bankruptcy and disbanded, leaving no entity to be held responsible for the cleanup. There's no, tra there's no trash net big enough or fine enough to catch the many billion pieces jettisoning at fatal speeds 
a new man-made asteroid belt between Earth and Mars. Satellites were shredded to pieces, GPS systems, Earth science monitoring arrays, telecom relays, it all suffered. There was a brutal culture shift when the global economy finally came to terms with the fact that there would be no market expansion into outer space and nothing to aspire to, to distract, to sell. There would be no new colony. It was the start of another major global catastrophe that maimed the powers that be. They tried grinding us up. We seized up the gears. They tried letting some of us in. Some of us went. They tried sabotaging everything we built. We find other ways. They were freaking the fuck out. There would be no new colony. And without the satellites, the missile defense arrays, the GPS, we became like seeds to the wind. The state of total control of all illuminated, all-seeing order lost its subduing power. Right after the explosion, even the sun and the moon and weather patterns all seemed altered. Their ability to predict, our ability to predict, dramatically weakened. We speak lightly of it now because we lived through it. We are the survivors of that time, the people who would never leave Earth, not by physical means. June 10th, 2021, 40-minute writing exercise, an action sequence. Bertha skated down the ledges, the large, flat, plateau-like platforms, cement poured around the place, the plaza downtown. The rotty clack of her skates every time she made contact with the next slab. She started picking up speed, a four-step hustle across a whole slab to the next. There was a crowd gathering at the bottom of the plaza on the wide hexagonal platform so often host to traveling singers, bards, dancers, now crawling with the shimmer of decomposition. Something was attracting everyone down. People were jogging over. Very few left. What's happening? She was still only halfway down. Why did she enter from the top way? She never did. People began shouting. Bertha took her eyes off the descent path, strewn with wheel-catching trash, and then froze, gasping. Someone bellows out a wail, horrified. The mass is suddenly retching itself away from its dense center. People are ejecting themselves over others, reaching and grabbing and stumbling. Others are beginning to fall back from some retreat. Others are beginning to fall, some retreat from their forward-moving trajectory from the outer perimeter. And everything is red. It is not a light. There is no source. 
but in absence, the red pulses. All else is unseen in contrast. There is red and there is negative darkness. The world is the world is in stark, painful relief, an alarming, utterly paralyzing clarity. Red and nothing. Bertha looks. There is a dead cat at the center, once obscured. It is whole, but limp and mangled. Its fur is crushed. Its limbs and parts seem twisted all wrong ways from each other, but somehow its head sits, chin on the ground, looking like a kitten. Its eyes are open, alert a shocking color red and its mouth flaps open and closed and it's then Bertha understands that the drone of the void is the utterance of this messenger. It is a language wrought in the vacuum shrieks wrenching out of people's lungs and nipples. Bertha only sees their faces and hears the cavernous muttering of the blasted cat disease will come it will be it will be an attack on the hill thanks for listening this is one of maybe 15 prompts I think it was we did in the end 3 of 15 prompts from the Mercury Intensive hope you enjoyed talk to you next time love and rage